0: Welcome to the Charlotte Business Podcast, the podcast where business owners in and around the Charlotte, North Carolina area share their stories, their struggles, and the obstacles they overcame in growing their business to success. We hope these stories are an inspiration to others wanting and trying to start their own businesses and give consumers a better understanding of our local business community. I am your host, Sebastian McShane. Hi friends. If you are one of the regular listeners of the podcast, then no doubt you have noticed there hasn't been a new episode for about two months. Well, I would like to apologize for that. It wasn't because of this whole COVID-19 pandemic. I had a little pandemic of my own. I ended up in the hospital for twelve days with a blood infection that I got after getting scratched while on my regular job. Yep, all it took was a little scratch, and somehow an infection got into my bloodstream. My neck swelled up to the point where I could hardly talk, and I had difficulty breathing, and I ached all over my body. So, twelve days in the hospital, and then seven weeks of taking strong antibiotics through an intravenous pick line. It's PIC line is an uh, intravenous line that, um goes into my arm, under my bicep, into my vein in my arm there, and snakes its way around through my veins, inside my body, to my heart. I've had to give myself injections of antibiotics three times a day in the entire process with all the flushing I had to do with the pick line, the injecting of, injection of the antibiotics medication, and it all takes about 15 minutes. The good news is that it all comes out tomorrow and I'm healthy as a horse again with no biotics in my system. Yeah, since I killed off all the good microbes I had in my body, I'm going to have to introduce new ones. And to do that, pretty much all I need to do is eat some yogurt and wait for the microbes to reestablish themselves. Nevertheless, we are back to hitting the interview trail again. Since we are still under social distancing guidelines and are encouraging to wear masks in public and stay six feet apart, I have been conducting interviews using the Zoom app, which has worked out great. But today's episode was just before the pandemic got a foothold in the U.S., and it was recorded live. In this episode, I talked with Rob Fisher, owner of Fisher Improvement Technologies in Concord, North Carolina. He and his experts help companies evaluate problem areas that they may have, and together they come up with solutions to make that company run more efficiently and make it safer for the company's employees and customers. It was a very interesting conversation, and I had a great time getting to know Rob and learning about his company, and I'm sure that you will enjoy it too. So, let's get on to the interview. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm here with Rob Fisher in Concord, and he owns
1: Fisher Improvement technologies Fisher Improvement,
0: I just forgot it that quick. I'm terrible <laughs> with names. Fisher Improvement Technology. Fisher Improvement Technology. Right. <laughs> okay, Rob, so how are you doing today?
1: Doing great. Thank awesome. you. Appreciate you guys coming out.
0: Oh, cool. So tell me a little bit about yourself.
1: Well, uh, again, my name is Rob Fisher. I own a company called Fisher Improvement Technologies. We've spent the last 25 years helping organizations and individuals understand how and why people make mistakes, especially mistakes that can prove to be catastrophic, Mm -hmm. and how you can do one of three things with those mistakes, how you can prevent them, how you can uh, minimize their consequence, or how you can reduce the probability. So f- with our technology it doesn't matter whether you're at home, at work or at play. It doesn't matter whether you're um whether people might make errors that are associated with uh um the business or the house or the yard or right. or the family. Um it's about the concept of human error. And we're here local, uh we've been here for a little over 15 years. Mm-hmm. I like to say I wasn't born here, but I got here as quick as I could. Um, Charlotte area has always felt like home to us. So we kind of migrated here, even though we've moved about 23 times. Wow. Um, married, been married a little over 40 years. Um, it'll be 41 coming up here in June. I have two kids that live here in the area. Um, I guess they're not kids anymore, two adult (laughs) children. Uh, Both of them work for the business. Brianna is our logistics coordinator and runs all of our financing. Justin is our technical manager and runs all of our marketing and technical, uh, the technology piece. And then I have my brother who also works for the company, Ray. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, And he is our Aero, our Advanced air Reduction Organizations Manager. Uh, My wife, Tracy... Is 25% owner in the company. She's been that way for for decades, and uh, we started as a as a family business and kind of grew. But we bought the building here in in Concord uh, three or four years ago mm-hmm. because we felt it was time to settle down and create a a center for excellence that people could come to and learn about uh, how mistakes impact their business and how and what they can do about it. Okay, so.
0: So tell me a little bit more about yourself and your background. Where are you from?
1: Well, uh, I'm Native American, Cherokee Indian. My father was born on the reservation outside of uh, Fort Gibson, Oklahoma, Tahlequah, Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. When I was very young, we moved to the Houston area. And as Houston grew, we just kept expanding out. And uh, so now my, my father still lives in the Houston area, still lives in Tomball. When I was in college, I was going to Southwest Texas State. I was 18 years old. My mother passed away as a result of a medical error. So I had to quit school and go home and raise my two brothers, one of them six years younger, one of them 12 years younger. Mm-hmm. And I did that for for a while. And um, when my dad met another woman and, and, and they became involved, I joined the Navy and was on Navy nuclear submarines Uh, Nuclear power, did that for about 10 years. Uh, Special operations, special forces liaison. And then I went to work at the South Texas Nuclear Project uh, down about halfway between Houston and Corpus Christi. And the the nuclear power plant got in some trouble in the late 80s, early 90s. So after Three Mile Island and after Chernobyl and after... um, uh, Piper Alpha in the North Sea people started questioning why people made these kind of horrific mistakes right and I just happened to be at the right place at the right time to start taking the practical application of understanding the science and and moving that into into different businesses um, like to play golf like to travel we like to say um, we've Been together, been married 40 years and together about 17 because (laughs) I travel all the time. Um, But we travel for business and we travel for pleasure. So, uh, you know, having Concord, Charlotte area as a home base has been fantastic for us because all of our kids, all of our grandkids, and now some extended family all live in this area. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a great place for us to be.
0: Cool. Um, growing up, what would you say was your biggest challenge and how did you overcome it?
1: I think probably the biggest challenge I had growing up was I was very small. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was bullied quite a lot. Uh, when I graduated from high school, I was about five, four, 130 pounds, you know, pretty, pretty small. Yeah. Uh, but by the time I got to college, I was, you know, six, six to 180, So. Um growth spurt. <laughs> one yeah one i guess one way to overcome being small is to grow, yeah <laughs> but uh i got i i think the challenge was because I was small, I got beat up quite a lot, you know uh-huh. but this is back in the late nineteen sixties early nineteen seventies, and that was just something that happened so um I think that once I grew out of that i i it it really shaped the way I like to treat people. Mm -hmm. Uh, because of the way probably that I was treated when I was young.
0: Cool. Um, So let's talk about uh, more about how you got your ID for the business. You already kind of mentioned it about the nuclear power plant. Go into some more about how you saw the need and developed the ID.
1: Well, I got on the team that developed the initial standards for something called human performance in the nuclear power industry. Mm -hmm. Again, post Three Mile Island, post Chernobyl, there were a couple of people that were writing books about the theory of why people made mistakes but the plant that i worked at got in enough trouble with the nuclear regulatory commission that they needed to understand okay well how will we practically apply this how do we take it to the next level so um i guess i got good at it because we got out of trouble yeah and i got put on three teams the business planning team the procedure improvement team and the human performance improvement team and we got out of trouble and got we we kind of call it going from worst to first in about eighteen months. So the the uh, company that I worked for started farming me out to other places. Uh, at first, it was other nuclear utilities, right. and then it became other utilities, and then after that, it became uh, places like American Airlines and hospitals and and they were they were just farming me out as an asset. And I went home one day. And our our kids were fairly young at the time. Again, this is late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, and my wife said, look, I'm pretty sure they pay people to do this. And you're this company is farming you out, but there's no benefit to us. You're just gone every week. Yeah. So the way I look at it, if you weren't any good at it, they wouldn't farm you out. And if you are good at it, why don't you do something that will benefit our family? So I said, well, okay. And i wasn't too bright back then, so I went into the vice president of our company and said, "Look, you can't farm me out anymore. <laughs> uh, I'm going to stay home and and be with the family." And I'm pretty sure my wife rolled her eyes and shook her head. We've never had the conversation about. I don't, know, I don't think that was what I was, <laughs> you know, looking for. Um, but a couple of weeks later, uh, an ex boss and friend that had moved on called and said, "Hey, would you mind coming over and and implementing some of the stuff that you've that you've developed?" And I said, well, I'm not being farmed out anymore. He said, well, I'll pay you. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, okay. So I ran back home to my wife and said, hey, he'll pay me. And uh, and I'll never forget that I charged them what I made as an operator
0: uh-huh. per
1: hour to do this project. Wow. And their return on investment was about 70 times yeah. what <laughs> what I charged him. So um, at the end of that project, uh, Al called me into his office and said, listen, I've got two things to tell you. One of them's personal and one of them's professional. He said, the, the personal thing is, this is what you need to be doing for a living. Mm-hmm. Um, you're good at it. People trust you with it. You're ahead of the game on the development of the technologies associated with, with how you really use, um, how you really understand people making mistakes and how you can prevent that from happening. So I hope you choose to do this for a living. So the professional piece is you need to learn to charge for your services what it's worth to the people who are receiving those services, right. as opposed to what somebody's willing to pay you to not leave. And that was a sentinel moment. So I ran back home and and uh I talked to my wife, told her how, you know, exciting it had been because I was doing all this in my off time. And uh and she said, look, if you want to do this, we'll, we'll support you as a family. We don't know what that looks like. We don't know how it's going to work. Mm-hmm. We don't know whether you're going to be any good at it. And uh, I'll never forget the people at our church and some of the people from, from work, when they heard that we were going to be um, starting up the business, they pulled her off to the side and said, don't let him do it. <laughs> it's not uh, It's not smart. Your family will go down the tubes. You'll go broke. Uh, don't let him do it. He's not that good at it. And by the way, the technology isn't going to be around very long. Wow. Um, and that was in probably 1992 when we started the first company. So, um,
0: it was good. You didn't listen You didn't listen to any of them.
1: No, we didn't. And, but we had it, we had a bit of a blessing because the place that I worked at, I went in and told them that I was going to leave and start my own company. Right. And they said, would you, would you accept a counteroffer? I said, well, what's the counteroffice? They said, you keep working for us. You run your company because we've got some things that we want to do that you're important to do here. Okay. And, um, when you need time off, you tell us and we'll give you time off, you know, time off without pay. You do what you want to do for your company, but you stay here and your, your, your role is to help us get through this, um, through this part of the business that we want to get through. So for about, 18 months to two years, they paid me to stay and work, and I worked a full time job and Mm -hmm. then ran our company on the side. Wow. And, uh, and I, you know, I think that's why we we exist today. I don't know. I don't know that we could have made it 100% if it would, if I had just broken all ties and, and gone out on my own. Um, but we'll never know.
0: Yeah, well, that was, that was a really great opportunity for them and you yeah. because you had the income coming in where you didn't have to worry about, well, how am I going to pay my bills? Right. But we're still able to start your company. So that right. was that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So uh, let's go into a little bit about exactly what you do. Um, how, When does someone contact you? I, I'm assuming something happened in the job or in, in the company. And- well,
1: yeah. It- it it used to be that way. It used to be something happened, but now people are a lot more proactive. Okay. The the reality is if if somebody could make a mistake and impact someone's business, then we can help. Uh those mistakes could be anything from do we do we have trouble retaining people in service and retail? Mm-hmm. Uh do we have do we have injuries that result in workers comp claims? that those injuries could be prevented or or minimized. Uh, We help there. So really anything where an error or some kind of human mistake could impact the business, we specialize in that. We now also have added that different people or, or individuals with different personality tendencies actually see and manage risk differently. And that risk doesn't have to just be a safety risk out in a high-risk industry. It's true there. But different people in your family manage risk and decisions differently. Mm -hmm. So by incorporating the personality diversity into um, the error reduction strategy, we've kind of upped the game on understanding how and why people do what they do and why it makes sense to them at the time. you know we're we're contacted we we operate in about 40 countries in 10 different languages wow um we have consultants all over the US uh Australia we've got people in Spain France um asia the if if, if somebody thinks that errors are a problem <laughs> they can get a hold of us and we can frame a strategy for how they can reduce the probability somebody's going to make a mistake that could that could either hurt maim or kill them right or hurt the business in some way or for that matter hurt the family in some way
0: okay can you give an example of exactly how like someone contacts you with a problem or a concern
1: yeah uh it it's been interesting the last few years. We never marketed. We were always a pull organization. Mm-hmm. In other words, people found out how to find us, but we didn't advertise. Our website wasn't very good. So now, if people type in "human performance" or type in "human air" um, in a search engine, then we'll typically come up. If the the best way to get us is to just type in improvewithfit.com. dot com," mm-hmm. and now and now you can also type in arrowhp dot com and you get to our website and you can just poke around and look um and a lot of times people look at look at what we do on the website but they're really interested in i, I was sharing with you that we have robservations the right. the two three four minute clips of um what we've learned over 25 30 years
0: and those are videos that are on your site. Those are
1: videos that are on our site. And, and so one of them might be, um, why, why can't I get people to stop work? So these businesses that have rules that they want people to stop work when they're not sure, why can't I get them to do that? We've got one on that. Okay. We, we even have one on why people leave kids in hot cars. Wow. So that's an error. You know, we really, uh, when you define an error, it's an action that gets an unintentional result. So most of the most people, overwhelmingly, don't intend to leave, leave a child in a hot car. Right. There's something else that goes on, and that's the outcome. Well, you can understand the brain science behind why that works. So we've created this Rob series. So we have a lot of people that just they they get on the website and they sign up for the newsletter so that they can use the Rob and then at some point they call and they would they like me to do a speech. I probably do. 50 speaking engagements a year mm-hmm. um and and once once you give the speech and you start talking about the task-based system and the technology people get interested and they say well okay how how would you deploy this in an organization of 20 50 100 a 1, thousand or you know we're in an organization of about eleven thousand five hundred right now mm-hmm. over in atlanta so we design the deployment and integration strategy around the company needs. Wow, that's doesn't he? Did I answer your question on that one? Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, think you did. I just, I'm just want to
0: bit. make sure the listener is getting a yeah. real good idea of exactly what you do because this seems like it's so broad. Because you, you, you handle safety, yeah, and everyday tasks, yes. So it's you know it's so much there, and it's really amazing how. Um, you said you developed most of this yourself. Yeah, go into some of that about how how that came about. So I started
1: you... with something called the task based system. and it and it basically says on anything that you do, you're surrounded by other people, programs, processes, work environments, organization, and equipment. And those are dynamic elements of any task. So each time that you guys go to do an interview or a podcast with someone else, there's something a little bit different. The work environment may be different. The people you're dealing with are different. The equipment may be different. And that generates um, change. And change is very often where risk comes from. Okay. So, so the task-based system, it doesn't know what you're doing. You can be doing something related to quality, safety effectiveness efficiency or productivity the system doesn't know you just have to teach people to watch for those things it doesn't know where you're at you can be at home at work or at play the system doesn't know so if you think about that system and you want your 14 year old how to your your 14 year olds now going to finally take over mowing the yard you've been waiting for it for years and now it's time if you use that system you can make sure that the fourteen year old is better prepared to mow the yard without some kind of incident, maybe a safety incident you right. know um it may be that you need to tell them about the work environment that's created by the next door neighbor kids mm-hmm. you know that with this three thousand r p m piece of equipment that could cut your finger off so it could be something related to safety, but it also could be that your your significant other Really likes the yard mowed a certain way in the right <laughs> direction, and if they don't mow it just that way, then they're going to get to do it again. Yeah, the way we talk about those things, the way we prepare for those, reduces the probability of things like rework, um, conflict, poor communications. So, all the different traps that drive people to make mistakes. Um, I started looking at those. And and saying, you know what, almost all of them have triggers that tell you you're vulnerable before you get there. So we developed something called the three T's, traps, triggers, and tools. Traps were a derivation of some research that was done in the 1980s. It's stuff that people fall into that make them more vulnerable. Okay. But triggers are things that tell you that your probability you're going to make a mistake goes up. And if you watch those, then you can use a tool of some kind to reduce the probability that you make a mistake. So I started working on the task-based system and traps, triggers, and tools all the way back in, in the 1990s. And that's what we were taking into these large companies. And... um once we got into the large companies, they started seeing significant drops in their safety incidents and the significance of the safety incidents. But the other thing, they, they saw huge increases in employee engagement. Mm-hmm. And when you see drops in safety incidents and increases in employee engagement, what you see is a better workplace. And about five years ago, uh when we started when we started planning to put the building here and and get the center for excellence put in place i started say, seeing that in in the us and canada when people get hurt in the workplace the majority of them get hurt in small companies not big companies okay and there's nobody out there that is giving the small companies what they need to reduce that probability. The knowledge, the leader knowledge, the leader skills, the leader language and behaviors. So we started shifting. We certainly have our, our business around the, um, the major big companies. We, we're gonna always do that. Right. But what we've also done is right-sized it so that a company of five people that has risk can use our product, use our services, use our technology, and and get benefit from it. Um and and so I think we've tried to stay ahead of the game technologically mm-hmm. um for the last twenty five years. It's why we it's why our name is Fisher Improvement Technologies, right? Not just some kind of improvement strategy.
0: Say I have a small business um uh, landscaping company. Okay. And I want to hire you to help me improve what's the process in that and what do you do when you come to a company?
1: Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of different entry points. One of the things that we would tell people is come to one of our open enrollment workshops, sign up for an open enrollment workshop, and then see what the technology might be able to do for your company. Mm-hmm. It, it's hard to go in and tell people, well, here's what we can do for you if you don't understand the base or basis of the framework. Or even call us and we'll do a one-hour webinar you know, or Zoom meeting, or you can come into the office and, and we can talk for about an hour on what it is Mm -hmm. and how, um, advanced air reduction organizations might be able to help. And, and once we have that meeting, then it's easy to see, well, let's frame up, here's what deployment would look like. So it depends, you know, if you're, um, if you're, if you're a small business like a landscaping business, okay. then we may it, it may be that we work with you to just develop some YouTube videos that your people can watch. Um, can you use our free app? We have a free app for pre-task briefing called Illumi Task Ready. Mm-hmm. And the Ready app can be downloaded on any mobile phone, ask seven simple questions about safety that maybe you have this landscaping company and you want your people because they're doing something different today to run through the seven basic questions. And then maybe you're the, the owner or the supervisor and you're 25 miles away. They can actually email you their pre-task briefing and you can take a look at it to see if they hit it all. Okay. So maybe you're today, you're moving big rocks and you're not used to, um, using the heavy equipment and the equipment's rental so there's something new that adds risk um, we would help you de-risk and our, our goal is never to be the hangers oner we want to transfer the capability into an organization and move on we've done over oh God, I, I, again i don't know what the number is probably 250 plus deployments globally and that's how do you integrate the concepts into the day-to-day workflow, which is the goal. You don't want to just push it off to the human to try to say, well, this human has to be better than humans can normally be. You have to integrate the capabilities um, of error reduction into the processes and systems of an organization. And we help, we help you do that. Yeah. So it makes it more sustainable but we we have we have a we have a hotline or you can just go on the website and we have a we have uh, somebody on the website that answers your questions and we'll set up a, a one hour phone call or a meeting here in the office at in Concord and figure out what your needs are and how the technology can best meet your needs or if it doesn't if your needs are outside of what we do we let you know that as well
0: okay so it sounds what i'm getting is is basically you Um kind of how was I gonna say this? (laughs) I had it in my head a second ago. Um you help companies kind of slow down and and observe what's around them and what they have to do to get a better understanding of how to do it safely, more efficiently.
1: Yeah, and sometimes it's not even a slowdown, it's a it's a tweaking of direction. Okay. So we like to tell companies we're not gonna make you do a lot more. We're going to help you do what you do a lot better. And so, you know, most companies, small and large, are, are overworked and almost overwhelmed. So they don't want to do something else. But if they do things a little bit differently, then that thing that they're doing differently really does things like reduce rework and minimizes error and, and minimizes turnover and improves employee engagement and, and employee satisfaction. There's three things that errors touch, right? Somebody might get hurt. Something might get broken or somebody might not be satisfied. Those are the three bad things. So if you turn those around, what does reducing errors do? It keeps people from getting hurt. It keeps things from getting broken and it keeps people from being unsatisfied or it helps people become satisfied. So they're happy. The equipment is good and running right. And uh, and nobody gets hurt. Those are three good things. Yeah.
0: And this is really fascinating to me because I've worked, for, you know, I've done a lot of construction work, working for small companies and things and and have had employees who just go do. And then it gets messed up. And now your boss is mad because you didn't do it right or he yeah. didn't. Isn't clear about his instructions and things, and and this all prevents all of that.
1: It does, and when it doesn't prevent it, because you can't prevent everything, right. it mitigates those consequences. Um, and 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 you're exactly right. What we know now is that, from a personality tendency perspective, we can manage the tendencies associated with two of the four personalities. They'll go do go do go do go do go do. Go yeah. do and really we don't mind failing our way to success i'm one of those yeah but two of the four personality types don't want to do something until it's absolutely ready and their and the probability they're going to succeed is very high well those are diametrically opposed approaches to risk yeah. so organizations the reason personality diversity is so important is those organizations the people that go do go do go do fail your way to success We have to. We do have to slow ourselves down a little bit, and you need tools to do that. So we use a tool called personal intervention to help do that. But the ones that may delay and and I want more information. I need more information. They sometimes need to push their play button to to start moving when there is enough information Mm -hmm. uh, to have risk. So the introduction of personality diversity into the system has been phenomenal in managing risk, in making decisions, whether those decisions are for a family or for a church or for a company or for a specific task.
0: Right. I used to work in a welding shop, and um, our manager used to come around to all our booths about once a week and, you know, pop in and see how we were doing and see what we were working on and things. And when he left, he always said the same phrase, slow is fast. And where, where he meant is take your time. And do it right the first time as opposed to trying to hurry up and messing it up and having to redo it. And I always carried that with me, everything I did after that, because it made so much sense. Where, You know, I've worked for places where they want to hurry up and do it, hurry up and do it, and don't think about the process of doing it. They just want it done. And then when you get it messed up, they're all upset.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that slow is fast concept. So if you tell someone slow is fast, that's a good first step. That empowers people to slow down. We take the next step to enable people to do that. Yeah. Because just telling somebody that is a fast paced person to slow down, doesn't do anything. So they have to have tools to manage that. So our error reduction tools actually help people manage that ability to, to be slow as fast. Right. Um, we have a, we have a real firm understanding in our technology about how the brain works and and how you need to slow your brain down so that it doesn't get so far ahead of your body. You know, think about it, your brain works at at the speed of light. Right. But the best your body can do is work at the speed of sound. Your brain is an electronic device, your body is a mechanical device. Right. When you make those two match in speed, when you slow your brain down to the speed at which your body can perform, you're not losing time because your body can only perform it at a certain speed anyway. What you're doing is making sure that your brain is aligned before you take that step or take that action or make that decision, and you have to have tools to do that. You just can't tell your brain uh, to do that. So we we say that's going from empowering, telling people they have the the power to stop work and get help, to enabling. Okay, yeah. how do we now enable people to do that? What are the tools they can use to make sure that happens? It's been a game changer. Yeah,
0: it's, it's amazing. And I, I can attest to how this works because in the same welding shop, um, when I trained there, the guy who trained me, he told us that, look, this is I'm going to show you how I do this, How what my process is. I'm going to teach you my process. And as you get better, you can tweak it to your process. And his, his little catchphrase was there's a hundred and one ways to skin a cat. I'm going to show you how I skin mine. Right. And then later on, you can skin it how you want
1: that, that, you know, that's a great way to say it. In fact, the way we do our technology when we deploy is because we've done it so many times, mm-hmm. uh, because our process is, is very well-defined. We tell people do it our way. We know what we're doing. When you get good, Mm-hmm. Start to tweak it to your way. Don't t- don't start to tweak things to your way before you ever know what good could look like from from you know two hundred plus years of 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 collective experience right. in in doing this.
0: Yeah, it's, love, this is amazing. I love this. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think are the most common reasons for people failing or giving up
1: in business in general? Yeah. Or
0: Well, in life too, I guess.
1: I think people get overwhelmed. Um, And I think in today's society, it's easy to get overwhelmed. Yeah. And when you have a fallback, um, as I did in the beginning, it was, I didn't get as overwhelmed in the business I got overwhelmed because I had so many things to do, but mm-hmm. I didn't get overwhelmed by the pressure to do good in the business, um, and and that being overwhelmed and not managing that those elements, I think finally, um, I think people start making some poor decisions when they're overwhelmed or stressed. Stress, stress, and time pressure are and a high workload are the first three error traps. Right. So if you think about it, stress, high workload, and time pressure are probably the biggest um, drivers of significant types of events, even in business. So you may not be able to take away the stressor, but you may have to take away, you may have to change what you do in your in response to it physiologically, we're going to react to stress, but I may have to manage that. So I think that, um, I think in small businesses, especially people, they get a little bit overwhelmed and they just don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And, and then they, they start losing money and they don't have a choice. They've got to stop and, and go do something else.
0: Right. If you would share with us uh, one of your favorite memories from your business.
1: Uh, I I think I love what we do Mm -hmm. because multiple times a week, we get some kind of email or phone call from somebody telling us how we changed their lives and for the better. Mm -hmm. I mean, our, our, um, mission is improving companies and lives through the creative application of technology. And the decisions we make are bound by that. But we went down and did it and did a deployment in a third world country. And, um, the, the business was, uh, kind of in the jungle and a lot of indigenous Uh, People worked at this, at this big facility, thousands, and they were killing between seven and 10 people a year at this facility. And we brought our technology in to try to reduce errors. And one of the things that that amazed me was a couple of the managers there said, yeah, you know, Rob, you don't understand the people here, they're. They're not well-educated. And, and and I would look at them and think, look, that's you. That's on you. Right. That's not on them. It's, it's up to you to keep them safe. So we brought our technology in. And the next year, they had zero fatalities. And the next year. And the next year.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, after about five years, of course, I'd, I you know, we had gone on, moved on to other things. And after about five years, a um, the plant manager was going to retire and he called me on the phone. And uh, he said, hey, I just want to let you know that I was moving on. I want to thank you for everything you did for us and for our community. And I'm thinking, I, I don't know, what did I do for the community? And, and he said, well, Robbie realized that that 35 isn't really 35, right? And he said, it's been five years. If we were averaging seven people a year, that's seven times five is 35 people that are still alive and with their families today that wouldn't be if you hadn't come along, if your business hadn't helped us. Wow. I said, well, you know, I never thought about that. He said, but Rob, 35 isn't 35, Because one of those people was probably the pastor of the local church. One of those people was probably the coach of the little league team. One of those people coached a soccer team. One of those people was a counselor. One of those people was in local government. Can you imagine how many people those 35 people that went home safely touched? And this was probably 10 or 12 years ago now that I got this call. And there's days that I just think about that call. And and I think that about how many calls I've gotten like that that aren't necessarily just related to fatalities, right? but related to how workplaces have improved. You know, mm-hmm. we, we give a trigger for knowing someone is vulnerable to an error, a 50% vulnerability to error. So we give some triggers that tell them Here's what to look for to know you're vulnerable. I'll, I'll have people tell me that they were helping their uh, their teenager with homework, and they thought they were doing the right thing. And all of a sudden, they saw this trigger that said, "You know what? I'm not helping them. I'm actually giving them a higher error rate than if we, we than if we went to the document documentation and looked." Right. So, ever since we've started doing the e colors with equilibria. Um, in the personality diversity, we now continue to get those calls. My family relationship is better. My relationship with my kids is better. Um, we uh, we have completely changed the way we communicate around the office. Wow. So, I mean, it, it just, I, there's just so many of them. But that one moment when that guy made me realize how how important what we did uh, is and not just the possibly single individual that may be impacted on that day on that task, but in general, it's why it's why we want to work with municipalities. It's why we want to work with local governments. It's why we want to work with local small businesses because they never know when somebody might might get hurt and 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 they lose a friend, they lose a they lose a, a partner, they lose a. Um, They lose somebody that they care about. Yeah, Uh, and and even you, you know, we're we make it makes it hard for you to work, makes it hard for you to do what you do.
0: I've experienced that. um, The last job I had with commercial roofing, and uh, I got hired on by a friend of mine who I worked with shoulder to shoulder for four years at another company, and he moved on to that company and brought me with him after about three months, and um, we were tight, and we're. I wouldn't say we were really, really great friends, but as far as working companions, we were on the ball. We had everything, you know. He'd get this started; I do this. When we were, it was like clockwork. Oh, sorry about that. I forgot to turn my phone off. <laughs> Stop. Um, so, um, we were working out of state and replacing a metal roof at a 3M company, and he fell through hmm. and was killed. Oh man. And it was months before, I mean, I'm, I'm not working there anymore either. And I think I, the guy I worked for with this company, he, when he recognized value, he, he wanted it, he kept it. And he went out of his way to make sure that there were, there were things that happened with employees in his company, you know, personal medical issues and stuff that he helped pay for their bills and things because, that employee was valuable to him, and he wanted to keep that employee. Well, the months after I lost my friend, I don't think he had too much value in me because I was so messed up yeah. emotionally and mentally by it that it just, I mean, I know I was making a lot of mistakes and things, and I tried to go in to apologize to yeah. him for it. But just the fact that losing a friend like that is yeah. just so devastating. I mean, it, it still affects me. And, yeah. I probably should have gone to counseling and all that stuff. That's all, you know. <laughs> but but yeah, and it was. It, it's really, really hard to lose. Even, even if it's not a friend, just I mean, all the coworkers that were there that didn't know this yeah, man exactly. as well as I do, they were affected by it. Yeah, and it really put a damper on the company for quite a while.
1: Yeah, you know, I was I was talking to. I, I spend most of my time, uh Sebastian, talking to senior leaders and interacting with senior leaders of small and large companies, mm-hmm. and. I don't want them to have to have the feeling of 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 a loss in their organization, even if it's a life altering injury. Yeah. You know, the the smaller injuries, they're trying to control a bunch of the smaller in- injuries. And I get that. But what keeps a lot of these folks awake at night is never knowing when the larger injury might happen. Yeah. And, you know, we were talking about. um Stress and business and things like that. I, I think that the people that care out there, you know, the people whose value is safety first and they really believe it. They're without a without a good um, processor technology. They're they consider that they've been pretty lucky, yeah, for people not getting hurt. And what we try to do is is turn that luck because I, we we like to say. Um, luck is a terrible barrier, yeah. And hope is not a good strategy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how do you take those two things and turn them into what can we really do, so that so that we really are doing the best we can do to protect people?
0: Yeah. And this guy we work for, he he was very big on safety. He would have a, a yearly safety meeting, and um, if there was a even a minor injury that someone lost a few weeks of work, we'd have a safety meeting and yeah. talk about how to prevent it. And the accident that happened, it was just, uh, you know, get complacent sometimes as you work and we were working on the roof and we were all uh, had our safety lines on. And at the time we had the ropes that you pull through the um, blocks yeah. as you go along the roof. And, uh, my friend, he had his tools on one side of the roof and he was on the other side of the roof with one of the supervisors going over what had to be done and he had to go get his tools, so he just, you know, without thinking, walked across, didn't yeah. pull his rope tight, and fell through. And yeah. it had enough slack in his rope where he hit the ground. Yeah. And you know, it was one of those stupid things that, because you get complacent, and yeah. you just, you know, he probably would have done it ten or twelve times that day, and not without a problem. He right. just happened to hit the one piece of rotten metal that didn't hold him. Right. Yeah. What advice would you give someone wanting to start a business?
1: <laughs> wow. I saw that one coming. Oh, <laughs> I said, yeah. I don't I I think that I think people need to know and it's funny in kind of in our sector.
0: Mm-hmm. We've
1: had multiple uh, colleagues that have gone out on their own and, and started, you know. whole bunch of them call to say hey you know you got any advice (laughs) and and the reality is you you have to be ready for the roller coaster yeah and that roller coaster is difficult to prepare for that you may be very good at what you do um that doesn't always translate to being good in business and i think that uh we we try to prepare because our consultants actually own their own businesses right they're uh independent consultants that work for us and i tell each one of them you have to have you you have to have a bunch socked away. Yeah. And you have to understand that it in the at the peaks, don't spend it all because you're gonna need it in the valleys. Right. And and I look around and I and I watch um my wife and I'll drive by someplace and we'll see the sign out front and we'll say to each other, How do they make money? I don't I don't understand how they're making it. The reason why we bought this building, this beautiful building here in Concord, was buying the building was going to be roughly a third of what it would cost us to put our office in a strip mall yeah. a month. So you have to you have to scope that out and understand what the low times are gonna look like. We we didn't know this coronavirus thing was going to impact everybody but we've had two cancellations this week mm-hmm. as a result of it but we had already put some mitigation strategies in place so we can do some things remotely that we would normally go to people and do right um but i, I you can't predict all of the different problems that'll go that'll come along so you might as well plan for the roller coaster uh because just like a roller coaster you really don't know what's coming over the next hill or around the next bend yeah and if you and your significant others can't or don't want that the family's the family unit's more important and you have to be in it together and i i have to give huge credit to my wife tracy because she understood that all along. And maybe it's because she was a submariner's wife, mm-hmm. you know, maybe because she understood that that there were things that had to happen that were outside of the control of that sailor. And she never got mad at me for something Uncle Sam wanted me to do. Right. Right. So I don't think she gets mad today at things that the that the business environment drive us to have to do. Um, but I think she's very rare in that. Yeah. And, and she understands that the business is what allows us to do what we do allows us to lead the lifestyle we live in in all of our family and that it, we 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 did a podcast recently that was that talked about the separation of family and business and I think everybody in our family kind of laughed at that <laughs> because you mm-hmm. know you you when you own the business if if an idea comes up we go with that idea. It doesn't matter if we're sitting at Thanksgiving. Right. And right. so it doesn't have to be who you are. It can be what you do. But you really have to plan for the challenges instead of just thinking things are going to be good all the time. Yeah. And and I think a lot of businesses fail because they're not ready and then the stress and high workload and time pressure kick in. Then they get down on it, and they and they weren't designed to weather weather the challenges.
0: Also, um, it sounds like you have an amazing wife who I do stood behind you a hundred percent, and that's so important because if you don't have someone in your life who is constantly encouraging you, as opposed to the people in your family or your friends, like at that church you talked about, that are discouraging you, telling you don't do it, you're never going to succeed. So, right, and um, I've read and heard a lot about you. Know, you got if you have people that are not encouraging you in your life that are discouraging you and bringing you down, you have to get rid of those people, even if they're family, even right. if it's your mother. You gotta say, "Look, you just let me do this," and and that's that's just amazing. You're yeah. lucky, lucky man. Yeah. <laughs> so, what's one common myth about your business that you would like to debunk?
1: <laughs> I think the most common myth about the business related to human performance is that all the information is out there on the internet. You don't need nobody to help you with it. (laughs) Um, the reality is what we do are the practical application side of all the stuff you can find on the internet. Okay. So there's a lot of people out there now that are entering the sector of human performance and, and look, they were, they were good at the company that they were at and, and now they're, they're, now they're moving out and they're becoming consultants, and, and I, I think that's great. I, I don't, you know, begrudge anyone wanting to go out and start a business, but we've got twenty-five years, yeah. of the practical application side, and you can't um, get that
0: from watching a video. You can't, right?
1: So, uh, the second thing that I think is. a a myth to be debunked is that it's so hard that we that we're not ready for it or that our business might not be ready for something like this Mm -hmm. The reality is any business that is where the people that run it or the people that work in it want to be a little bit better at what they do you're ready that's the only qualification and we've worked with high performing highly reliable organizations of with organizations that are struggling so much that they're about to fail, mm-hmm. and the entire spectrum in between. You don't have to know a certain thing or be a certain way to use our technology to get better. All you have to do is want to get better.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you prefer working with larger companies or the small companies?
1: Uh, there's no preference. No, I because
0: uh, I know there's. There has to be a huge difference in dynamics between yeah. somebody who has 2,000 employees yeah. and a guy in the corner that has five guys working for them.
1: Yeah, there is. I <laughs> I think one of them is is the reality of the business side of the business and, uh-huh. and working with the big companies is a business decision, right? Right. Um, but working with the small companies is a hard decision. Yeah. So if you know that that company has – Either business risk or financial risk or or physical risk, um, we want to improve those companies a lot. So yeah. we find ways to work with them. I mean, we've we've started developing a learning management system that people can go on and get short courses, and we price those so that um, small businesses can afford to do them, uh, and and the large businesses we gather up gather people together and teach them to change the leader language and behaviors that's the first thing that has to change mm-hmm. so for us I think I think we're a little bit different in that a lot of the other organizations that do what we do uh, they almost have to work with big organizations because that's where the money's at mm-hmm. but we we can have a real very creative balance with that cool
0: uh, what's something that came out of your journey in growing your business that you didn't expect
1: I think moving from a sole proprietor to a corporation to having my kids want to run the business for and into the future and having my brother that wanted to come into the business and work. My brother, Ray, was using our technology off working for other companies. Mm -hmm. And he didn't want to ask, hey, can I come to work for you? And I was giving, giving him our technology to use. And I didn't want to say, hey, quit what you're doing and come to work for <laughs> us. But ultimately, we did that. So to me, it's a, a bit of a matter of pride that those people actually don't just want to work here. They don't want to just have a job here. Yeah, They want to grow the company into what it can be in the future, not just what I saw it as as a in the past. Yeah, it's awesome. And, uh, and so I think that's probably the, the thing that surprised me the most. Yeah.
0: Cool. All right. I uh, must move on to our shotgun round. Okay. And this is just some questions that we kind of ask that are more fun and just, get, you know. Okay. So, okay, let's go to the shotgun round. <laughs> if you could turn back time and talk to your 18 year old self, what would you say?
1: I would say it's going to be okay. You're going to make it. Uh, When I was 18 is when my mother passed away and there were some years in there that, that I, I was pretty lost, but, but I think I would tell myself it's going to be okay. You're going to, you're going to make it. All
0: right. Awesome. What's the most important thing you've learned in life so far?
1: It's funny. I'm not a most or a least person. I I don't have favorites. Somebody asked me what your favorite is. tell them 25 things um most important thing I've learned in life. I think I think that the relationships with the people that are close to you are very are are important to all of your successes or all of your failures. Mm-hmm. Um whether it's your spouse or your significant or your insignificant other or your kids or your dad, you know, I, I try to, my dad lives in Houston, but I try to see him as often as I can. I I try to go to Houston and spend time with him. Uh, just because somewhere, some way at, you know, 85, 86 years old, he'll pop something in that will change the way I think about things. Yeah. And I think that that, that grounding, um, is vital to your successes and your failures. Okay.
0: Um, what's the best compliment you've ever received?
1: I I think it's the one that says you've, you've changed our life, or I don't know if you know how much you've changed our life. Wow. Um, I don't know how much, I don't know if you know how much you've made our life better. I think that's the the ultimate compliment for yeah, me. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah.
0: Okay. If you could have dinner with any three people, living or dead, who would they be? And what would you talk about?
1: I, I think that, um, boy, wow, that's a, that's a wild one. <laughs> Oddly enough, one of them would be. If we could all be in the room together, uh-huh. I want one of them to be my wife because I love having dinner with her. We have such great conversations when we go out to dinner. You know, even here locally.
0: You mean you For don't sit with your cell phone out? We don't. <laughs> we don't.
1: Um, but I, I think that. uh, <sighs>
0: This this I, question is always a challenge. It why is, like it. yeah.
1: It is. I mean, I, Edison and Tesla would oh, be yeah. a, would be a tie, <laughs> <laughs> and and maybe maybe have both of them at the same time because I'd just like to see the cat fight that goes yeah, on between really. them. <laughs> but I'd also lo- I I would like to I I would love to sit down with Martin Luther King mm. and find out. Where he really wanted things to go, yeah, and find out where, um, you know, we we've interpreted where Dr. King wanted things to go. Uh, I would love to know what he was really thinking, yeah. And you know, my family was marched on the Trail of Tears, um, and I would love. So I would say one of them would be Martin Luther King. And the other one would be my great, great grandmother, um, who was one of the very few members of our family that actually reached Oklahoma on the Trail of Tears. Wow. And I would like to just sit down with her and, well, first of all, thank her for her survival. Yeah. But, you know, ask her what it was like. I mean, I don't think here in our country we educate people enough on on what the Native Americans went through uh, during that time, and uh, just by sheer luck for our family, she was one of the ones that made it and yeah. you know produced our family. And I, I think you you know you notice there's a lot of Cherokee things around. We try to run ourselves as a Native American owned business, and and by those values, and um, you know I, I would just want to thank her for making it yeah. yeah
0: that's awesome so rob how can people get up with you if they want to get in touch with you
1: easiest way is uh you can go to improve with fit.com and poke around on the website a little bit follow us you can link up with me rob fisher on uh at fisher improvement technologies or you can go to at rob fisher on linkedin okay and uh and those two ways people can kind of hook up with us and see a little bit about what we do and ask questions of the of the bot on our website and we can get you get you to the right person.
0: Awesome. Well Rob, I really appreciate you being on my podcast and I have to say that it is was truly inspiring to hear you and talk with you and it's obvious that you have probably the most satisfying job of anyone uh, I've interviewed yet. Well, thank you for that. I, mean,
1: <laughs> I, I pinch myself yeah. because of what of what we get to do. And again, I think I told you I leave for Australia for almost a month uh, at the end of this week. So I'm really glad that we could do this. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Do this now. Yeah. But thank right. you very much. Okay.
0: Thank you. I appreciate it.
1: All right. Thanks.
0: Oh, yeah. I really appreciate you listening to the podcast. I hope that you are sharing it with others that you think will get value from it and i would like to ask that you rate us wherever you listen from the better our ratings become the higher we will get ranked on the site where you listen to us this will help us increase our audience and we can bring you more episodes in the works is a bonus episode where we'll talk to some of our past interviewees and find out how they have been dealing with the covid pandemic and how it has affected their business Some of them have had to think outside of the box in order to be able to keep revenue flowing, and they came up with some interesting solutions. So look out for that in the next week or so. Again, thank you for listening, and it's highly appreciated. If you would like to get in touch with us, leave a comment or suggestion for a business that we can learn more about, or you would like to share the story of your business, you can reach out to us at charlottebusinesspodcast at gmail.com. That's charlottebusinesspodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. My best to all of you and stay safe out there, and together we can stay strong. Let's go.